The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Tonight we explore consciousness, reality, and the nature of the self. Our special guest will speak intimately on what it is to be an authentic human being, what it is to be, and how we become sovereign in our center of awareness by drawing on many ancient traditions. The perpetual shift from fragmentation to wholeness and unity. This will be very appropriate for a current time. Greetings from your host, Mel Fabregas. And if you're new to the Veritas family, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, just click on the subscribe button. And don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and much more. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And to tell us more, tonight's special guest is Ryan McMahon, an author, researcher, and lover of wisdom. His path has been one of self-creation and unfoldment, and his approach to truth and reality is a syncretic one. His website is midnightsuns.net, and he joins us from San Diego. Hello, Ryan, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm doing great, Mel. Thank you very much for having me on. Good to uh, talk to you. My pleasure. And just before we spoke a few weeks ago, I started watching some of your presentations, and today I watch one. And you mentioned a lot, a lot of great names. So my first question to you, first of all, give us a little bit of a background so our listeners can know who you are. But later, I want to know who your influences are. Okay, great. Um, well, my background, well, I mean, my background, you, you mean like getting into this whole sort of truth-seeking? All the way from the beginning, your Eureka moment. <laughs> my Eureka, Eureka moment. Wow. That's a... That's a, you know, that's, I guess that's a standard question, but for me, that's been, um, a lifelong pursuit trying to answer that question. Um, because ultimately, um, and you'll see this in some of my, some of my work, although I don't like my work to focus about it totally, but my Eureka moment really happened to me when I was like 19 years old. I engaged in a deeply spiritual journey a quest to solve, um, a healing issue. And I think that, um, I think that a lot of people come to the spiritual path uh, due to some sort of catastrophe or some sort of need for healing. And I'm, I'm just like those people. However, once I started to unravel and unpack the nature of my, my issues, I started to realize that this archetype of pain or this, this issue that's chronic with me uh, actually is as, long, as far back as I can remember. And I mean, I've even gone into ceremonial regressions to where I go back into my, the deep psyche of my inner child. And, um, as far as I can tell, uh, it, 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 it was here even before I had a personality formed. And I know that might sound strange to people, but, um, it, it could have been just the process of, of coming into this world that, you know, is painful for, for the whole process of creation. But anyway, that put me on a spiritual path that really came to crux when I was 19 years old. And um, I talk a lot about that whole process in my first book, which is um, it's called Tide and the Cranog. Um, and I, through this process, I, I got guidance from, um, from a, a female spiritual yogi um, 
and changed my whole life, changed my whole perception of reality. And that's when my healing began. And believe it or not, I'm, I'm 43 years old right now, and uh, I'm still in that process. I still have not completely undone um, the, the chronic nature of, of my pain. But I've come a hell of a long way, and that's why I'm actually like sharing my, my, you know, my experiences with other people in videos and written a couple books. And um, people, you know, some people seem to really get a lot out of it, and so that's what keeps me sharing it. So hopefully that that answers your question. And what moves you now? Obviously, getting away from the pain, transmuting that into something better, transmuting that into something that it can help not only heal you, but heal humanity. There's this m must resonate with a lot of people. Yeah, you know that's that's exactly right. I think that <laughs> I, I I'm pretty sure that um, whatever my my issues with pain, whatever their root source is, the purpose of having such a chronic thing, uh, I think is a way that has forced me into, um, pursuing a spiritual, pursuing my own spiritual nature, what, what the spirit is, what it is to be a human being. And then also to sort of try to access what our, our limitations are or lack thereof. And so, um, well, yeah, so that hopefully that helps there. It is moments like, I don't know exactly what you went through. You don't have to tell us, but a lot of people go through probably similar situations and they recur to this modality, spirituality and other, you know, meditation and so on. And you start realizing that perhaps we are characters in a simulation. And when you look at yourself from the outside, looking in, does that change who you are? Just questioning the nature of reality, question of self, who we are? Yeah, it certainly does. And I think most spiritual paths will emphasize that self-reflective process. And I guess you could say in general philosophy, you know, the love of wisdom, it can't be had without this self-reflection, this, this um, taking an inventory of oneself. And I think the human being is the only creature on the planet that actually has this type of awareness. And um, so we have a great deal of power with that type of awareness. Um, and we have obviously with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that that everybody at some point is going to going to have something in their life that nudges them, you know, into a place that causes a deep self-reflection. Most of the time it's due to crisis or some sort of catastrophe um, or some sort of need for healing. But the philosophical traditions, you know, the, the spiritual traditions, you could even say theology and religious traditions, I think they're all wellsprings that grow up around this, um, this, uh, this process of becoming more aware of who we are. And um, that's, that's a labyrinth, right? That's, that's a tough thing to navigate. And there's all kinds of people with all kinds of uh, suggestions on how you should get through it. And, um, but the bottom line is, is that none of those people can bring you through it. You, you have to, you know, the, the path of selfhood or initiation in my belief is a self-induced process. So you're going to have to be 
alone, so to speak, navigating that that labyrinth. However, there are guides and signposts, and um, we have access to to knowledge itself. Um, and I don't mean I don't mean like book knowledge or traditional knowledge. Um, I don't mean descriptions of things. I mean gnosis, like real knowledge. And I believe that that we have access to that and that it exists and permeates uh, the entire cosmos. I find it very interesting, Brian, that most people that I've interviewed in the last 10 years, probably the majority, whether it's in health, whether it's in spirituality, motivation, you name it, all the people who are doing something now for humanity, most of them have experienced some trauma that they have transmuted into something. And it makes me wonder, you probably know the name Dolores Cannon. She passed away years ago, but she would conduct a regression hypnosis on people. And she would find out that most people who came to this plane, we call Earth, had a, a plan, a contract, if you will, that they knew exactly what they were getting into when they came here. I always doubted that. I always think, you know, how can a child or somebody come here as a child and then be now beaten to death by a criminal? And why would you do that? Mm -hmm. But then I have seen so many people with trauma, with chaos, who have transmuted that into the gurus that they are. Many of the best-selling authors that are out there have gone through something like this. And it makes you wonder, is that part of your destiny? Is that part of the plan coming here? Yeah, that's, that's a tough, it's a tough question, right? There is this, there is this, uh, this correlation, right? But causation is not always, does not always mean correlation, but we do have these pattern recognitions where we see, Hey, you know, this, like you said, many people that have gone through a hard, hardcore struggle will become, you know, guides for other people. However, why it happens, you know, why, why we have to go through this is to me is a mystery. Um, I think it, it, a lot of people would like to say they know, they know, like it's because this is your destiny. It's because you came in, you know, with, with karma from, from past incarnations or, or, um, you know, past lives. And even though I've peered into the spiritual world, I mean, literally like experienced and seen things, they're still, still very hard to, um, to say that one really knows. It's like, there's this, this concept in the Toltec teachings of, of, you know, the first attention and the second attention, there's even a third attention. But, but what that means is the first attention is like basically what is known and what is knowable to humans. And we tend to live there. Uh, because we feel it, it buffers us from our fears. Um, but there are spiritual giants and or practitioners that move into the second attention, which is basically the unknowable, that which cannot be known. And I know that sounds strange. It sounds like a, a contradiction. It's like, how do you know if you're in the unknowable, right? It sounds like a contradiction, a contradictory statement, but, um, but but it but when you when you go there and then come back, you do have a knowing that you were there, right? You don't really know that you're there when you're there, but you know when you're there when you're not. And so, what I'm getting at is that I don't really know if it's if it's 
man's destiny, or I don't know if it's just um, the harmonics of nature, you know, sort of like you just happen to be um, at that time when the wave happened to be crashing up against, you know, the shore. And that's, that's the moment you were born. And, you know, nature has just said, well, some of, some of you will make it and some of you won't. And I'll leave it up to a bit of, of chaos to, to find out, you know, who makes it and who doesn't. And the ones that do that will just make you stronger and make you better, um, better growth, better guides, better, uh, expressions of consciousness. So I'll try to sort of wrap that up. There is this very strange spiritual world that in my, my experience is absolutely real. There's there's no doubt in my mind that it's real. The, the, the doubt that comes up for me is trying to understand it and trying to put it into, um, into words, right? Trying to put it into a framework and then, and then, uh, hope that the framework we put, put upon it is correct, right? That we, we actually know what we're talking about. And it's a very difficult thing. That's why you have so many different philosophical approaches, so many different types of guides and gurus, um, but I do think that there is, I do think there is an unknowable realm and we, we actually have access to it. We can be there. We can, we can, um, we can experience it, but there's no way that we can actually put it into a frame. We can try, we can put it into terms of the first attention, which is the knowable. Um, but every time we do that, we lose its nuance and we lose its essence and I'll kind of try to wrap this up by by sort of pointing to this idea. Again, this is a Toltec idea, but there are other philosophers that talk to this as well, is that man has the faculty of reason uh, for a reason or for a purpose, but there is there's information that, or, or knowledge that cannot be had by reason. Um, and then when people hear that, they try to reason that statement. They try to reason it out. Well, how can, how can that be? And it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's sort of a somersault of the mystic mind is that you can't reason this, this, uh, conundrum out, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. It doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So, um, there's a lot of work I've done with regression. Um, like I said, going back to my inner child and, spiritual experiences through through dreaming and recapitulation um that take me into realms that are paranormal or metaphysical or transcendental and i've tried so many times to explain what's going on in my books and and just with people in my social sphere i do the best i can but i um i really kind of shy away from trying to act like I understand that that realm, even though I know that it's real. Do you think that we come here to this world? I mentioned the destiny, the contract, the plan. But yes. some people say we are products of our environment. Some people say that we're not, that we come here with certain traits and DNA. And basically, it's everybody's different and you handle your life differently. What's your take on this? Hmm. I think that we have such a creative power. Human beings have such a, a co-creative ability 
that we can influence our our own reality. And a lot of powerful people, people that work with the spirit and with their own psyche and create like a psychic hygiene and work basically people on the path of selfhood that work work in these realms, they start to realize their own creative power and they start to see how their their speech and their thoughts can affect the world around them. And then some people make the jump that like, oh, that means that we created all this. And I, I don't I don't believe that. I think I think that the idea of a contract is a real thing. Um, but it's, it's this sort of, uh, I, 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 I guess it depends on what kind of language you use to describe it. But if I was to describe a contract with the spirit world, I would have to go with the things that I, I think are, are real. And for me, and I'm only speaking from me is I do believe that the archetypes, uh, the young, you know, the Jungian psychological archetypes of our, our deep subconscious being and our deep and our mind or what the Toltecs would call allies or inorganic beings. I believe those things are real. And I think if we have contracts and or destinies, they're going to be in a, some sort of um, paired relationship with these archetypes. That's how we're going to become aware of them, or that's how we're going to work with the destiny. Now, that being said, these archetypes, I think, are... Are, they're not something that we can actually – we don't actually make them. Like we don't create them. They're the matrix of nature. They're the matrix of the mind. And Nietzsche talked about this, uh, and so did Jung, that some philosophers think that we created them and that we can just – we can control them. And um, I, I don't think that's the case. I think that they're, they're, more, they're more creative of us than we are of them because they're more ancient. They're, they're deeply intrinsic in the, the, the matrix of mind. Um, and you can even call this the imaginatrix, borrowing from Terence McKenna. And um, just because it's in your imagination doesn't mean that it's, that it's not real at all. Um, so to try to answer the question about contracts and destiny, I think there is something there. Um, but it changes as we grow and as we work and navigate our our own being and it and it changes as these archetypes these deep parts of our nature express themselves um but i do think that that's kind of like to borrow a phrase you know the fabric i think it's a fabric of reality that we have no choice but to um as a human being it's sort of our signature it's our mold this is how we um are connected and also how we co-create, change, and affect um, our lives as well as our minds and our bodies and our, our souls. You know, I'm thinking of a quote that you used on your presentation from R.A. Schwaller, the Lubics, from the word, oh, yeah. from the book Nature Word. If I may read this quote, it says, the fundamental error we have made is to have accepted a mentality which is in contradiction to the thinking of nature. We granulate into time and space what could be a grasping of a whole. We use spatial language to speak of non-spatial concepts. Our psychological consciousness projects its picture of things as a fragmented play of opposites back onto the external world and then takes this picture to be real, unquote. And the reason why I bring this up is because you mentioned speech. 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.